Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Lay Film. I'm your co-host Richard Lay and here with me today are Tyler Cunningham, Kevin Carpio, Patrick McGill. And today we are going to review the 2012 Antonio Campbell's film Simon Killer. And this film is about the breakup of a five-year-long relationship and a college graduate named Simon travels to Paris where he meets and develops a relationship with an escort named Victoria that would soon unravel a dark past. Richie, so this was this is a film that you picked. Now, when you first saw the the poster for it, as well as like the movie, what were some of the things that intrigued you about it? Um. Well, uh, I remember when I brought this film up. Uh, you actually looked up the poster and you talked about how cool it looked because it was just the image of an eye, and. Yeah, I mean, I think at first when you hear the title Simon Killer, you think that it might be like some kind of serial killer drama or some kind of mystery about, you know, tracking down a, a killer, but it's actually not. Um, I think what really intrigued me about it was seeing a clip of the main character Simon speaking to another woman and just the, the tracking shot, the um, it's like panoramic shot where it moves from one room to the other and I think that's the only reason why I was intrigued by it I really just I like how different it was in the way it was filmed um yeah I mean even the poster itself it kind of lends to some of the I guess I'm not sure how to say like maybe experimental style of the film just the way in its editing um, it has like a very strobe light effect feel to it. So I do have to preface that if you are very sensitive to strobe lights, um, certain effects, you may want to kind of maybe stay clear from this film because it does have that, but it didn't affect me. So, um, all I know is it's a character study. So if you're interested in character studies and seeing the descent of the protagonist and um, how they're out of, out of their element in some ways, um, just like the, the downfall of perhaps a sociopath. Um, I think that's the best way for me to describe it without any spoilers. So I think that's what drew me into this film. Patrick, what was uh, your initial impression going or like coming out of it? Oh, it was a. This was one of the most, uh, not maybe not the most, but this was a very frust frustrating watch. This uh, a lot of a lot of hard moments to watch, but like for the wrong reasons. A lot of just a lot of stuff that just made you question. Again, the main, the central character. It's very, I don't know, there's like a, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's an air of intelligence about him, but there's a lot of stupid things that happen. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that makes you think what you're seeing. Like, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, it feels like, I don't know if it's disingenuous. Maybe that's why it's frustrating. It's not, it's not that it is, but. When I was first, the first 40 minutes of the film, I was getting very frustrated. And then in the second half, that kind of left me because I was intrigued by the character and the step and exploring what was happening. 
but I think around 40 minutes or 50, when things start to become clearer, I started to be, feel frustrated that everything before that was very, like, not, we weren't being, we purposely weren't being shown what was happening, and we're slowly getting it revealed from then on, and that made that whole, like, if I was to go back and watch the first 40 minutes, I'd be, like, twice as frustrated, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, it just felt like a... Yeah, I, I just remember sitting there trying to figure out and, like, workshopping, like, okay, what is, this is going to happen next and this, and, like, it subverts expectations, but it was impossible to guess the subversion at all, or, like, I don't know, like, mm -hmm. maybe it's just, like, a reptile part of my brain that likes reward, being rewarded or something, but I I would give full credit to the film for avoiding that stuff, but it just... With that comes the baggage of like, yeah, it's, it was a bit frustrating at the start. What do you think, Tyler? Um, I wouldn't say I was frustrated watching it, but like, it's just very unsettling. I think that's like a main theme of the film. Uh, and the first 40 minutes, I'm, I think you're right with, uh, if I rewatched it again, which I wish I would have, uh, it would have been way more frustrating and like disturbing because it's like he's kind of a uh, manipulative character, and I feel like uh, what's the director's name again? Uh, Antonio Campos. Antonio Campos. I feel like he did a good job of almost manipulating me at the beginning because you feel bad for him and yeah, like yeah, you know it's like he's so shy and he just wants like attention and a and a friend it seems like at the start, but then. As it goes on, you realize there's something more here, and yeah, it's just a slow descent into madness, or he's just yeah, a psycho. Um, so I, I, yeah, I was kind of just like disturbed from it, unsettled. How about you, Kevin? Um. <clears throat> I think it's a. I think that's a pretty fair point to drive home. Yeah. <laughs> um, even even like during some of the opening scenes with it all, when you're first introduced to Simon and stuff, I something does not feel right about this person. He seems very traumatized in a way. Like either he's traumatized or he's trying to like impose something on other people or something like that and I was trying to like give him the benefit of the doubt throughout the beginning of the movie and then like there's this one part that we'll probably get to in a bit where um when it happens like oh okay I see I see where this is going and from that point onwards, I want to say there's probably around the 40, like, yeah, I think it's, I think we're, we all agreed upon that uh, around the 40 minute mark. Um, from that point on, it was very difficult for me to, to watch. Like, I had to keep pausing it and, like, I would, I would stop watching it. And then, like, the next day I would watch, like, a little bit more. And then the next day I finished it. <laughs> it was just, like... I would think, like, coming back into it, like, a day later, I would come into it, like, with a bit more patience. And I'd be like, okay, this scene is not so bad. Okay. And then, I, like, an another scene happens. And I'm like, okay, this is really pushing it. And then, like, the next scene would, like, send me, like, over the edge. I'd be like, oh, my God, this guy is, is not is not going to change whatsoever. Like, he's, he's just becoming more of, more of who he is at his core. And... They, like, whenever I watch or, like, I, I engage with, like, any form of media that, like, frustrates me or conjures up any sort of negative emotion, my first instinct is to turn away from it. To be like, okay, I'm not dealing with this anymore. But then, like, if I choose to go through with it later on, like, let's say, like, a week or two later, I'll, like, start thinking about the movie more. And, like, even especially with this one... I think that if something is able to conjure up so many emotions within you, that alone should stand on its own. Because the storyteller is eliciting some sort of response from you. Um, 
as opposed to you know your eyes just being glazed over and you don't can't even remember the person's name or something like that even though the movie's called Simon Killer <laughs> like yeah. I think that I will give credit to the movie for that for for making me feel something even if it's something I didn't enjoy because I did not enjoy this movie <laughs> but but I can see the merit of what it was going for so yeah those are my feelings on that yeah I have to agree with you on that um, this isn't a film that is made to entertain or it is made for you to enjoy um, to me even like what Tyler said like you felt like manipulated I think that this film is made so that it can kind of exploit you in a way because we're so used to watching certain films where you can either root for the character or um, have a hero and there's a villain you know um, this film isn't like that at all um, it definitely felt like Antonio Campos was influenced by like French exploitation cinema. I kind of felt like this film is an exploitation film and it's not like your typical exploitation film at all. Um, I think that it's like that because there are very gratuitous sex scenes in this movie and if you're watching it with someone or you can't even watch it with your parents but if you do... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're not gonna be able to watch. That's you're not gonna finish those scenes. Um, oh my god, I'm just remembering some of that. <laughs> Cover your eyes, son. Yeah. Um, but because of that, I have to really give a lot of credit to not just Antonio Campos, but um, cinematographer Joe Anderson did a really great job um, with the tracking shots. There are shots where we're just following the characters from behind. And I think there's a lot of, like, mysterious aura behind that because we're always left wondering who is this person, what are they thinking about, um, just following them in the streets of Paris. Um, yeah, I really love that aspect of the film. Um, and I have to give a huge credit to Brady Corbet, who did a fantastic job as Simon. Um, I've seen him in other films, such as, like, Mysterious Skin, um... And he was in Funny Games. Um, he so, does. So he's no stranger. <laughs> oh yeah, he is definitely no stranger to playing very neurotic characters. People just exhibit a lot of neuroses and just, just looking seemingly pathetic. Um, more so in this film, I think this is if you, this is his like definitive film for like performance wise. Like if you want to watch a movie where you're just gonna see someone just act their asses off. Um, Brady Corbett does a great job in this film um, and I think the heart of the film is um, the character Victoria who is played by uh, Mati Jap. I think she did a fantastic job and she's also one of the co-writers or um, she helped formulate the story with Brady Corbett and Antonio Campos so um, that says a lot about her as well yeah she's a director as well she's a very yeah. renowned director yeah um, yeah she's a filmmaker and an actress um, the fact that there are scenes of her being even objectified and she allowed that, I think if we didn't know that, we would just see this film exploiting us and objectifying her. But I think there is a point to that. Um, and I'm saying this all without really spoiling it. Um, yeah, there are definitely times where I'm just like, this is very voyeuristic and uncomfortable and we are like, sexually objectifying her but I think there's a point to it um, because there is a point to Simon's psyche and just how he's trying to find I don't know he's just trying to find something to fill this kind of void in him because of you know we began with him discussing how he's broken up with his girlfriend and he pretty much escapes from, I, I believe it was from New York or mm -hmm. somewhere mm -hmm. in the East Coast. And then he recently graduated too. Yeah. And how he's studying um, uh, neuroscience, right? Yeah, between the eye and how it gets transmitted to the brain. Yeah. yeah so he discusses um, that he uh, wrote an article about um, 
crowding and size pooling and just the how the width of an object is given a weighted average of the objects around it and that effect is called size pooling. Um, I'm not going to pretend I know what that means. I tried looking <laughs> yeah. it up and I'm like, what does this mean? Um, but I think uh, in a sense Antonio Campos is trying to tell us, or oh, and Corbet and Jop, is that um, just our relationship with the screen or with the film uh, when he talks about the eye, because Simon has a fascination with people that have um, problems with their vision. I know that uh, Victoria, she has myopia. I think that's how you say it, myopia, which is having nearsightedness. And I think that aspect to her does kind of lend to her character type and why she feels the way she does about Simon. And then later on in the film, or even early in the film, he meets a woman named Marianne who has um, nystagmus. Oh, yeah, or the, the eye jitters. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I looked that up, and it's pretty much like, uh, they call it the dancing eye, or dancing eyes. And that also kind of lends to um, her character type as well, which we'll get into later. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of aspects of this film that I actually really liked. But I can't say that this is a film that I'm going to recommend watching. But I think anyone's interested in watching an enigmatic character going off the rails, um, yeah, I mean, it's a film to definitely watch. Um, and the soundtrack is just awesome. I really dug the music in this movie. What do you guys think about the music? Or even, yeah, what else did you guys like? If you guys liked anything. <laughs> I think the music, like there's this one scene I'm thinking of in particular, which we'll get to, mm -hmm. where the music is like, it makes it. And I was like, man, I get this scene. And yeah, the music was very like in your face. And I mean, even how you were mentioning about the, um, like what Simon was actually studying in college and whatnot. I, I noticed that with Simon, I was trying to figure out what what his issue was when it came to his when it came to like vision, and throughout the movie, like with all those tracking shots behind him, like it all feels like there's so much tunnel vision, where you can't fully process everything that's like on the on like the periphery of your vision, and I felt like Simon was just like so focused on what was in front of him that he couldn't process how other people viewed him maybe and so it caused it causes a lot of problems in the movies and with the music i think that he uses it as like an escape to to really try and ground himself cuz i don't know there's so there's so many moments in it where he's doing some weird shit <laughs> and then like he he like plays some music and then he like feels a bit normal but even then like there's some scenes where it's a bit questionable yeah like that's that's the biggest thing that stood out to me with i mean just the whole subject matter of the eye and how the information of the outside world gets sent to our own consciousness and how we perceive reality and whatnot and like, man, Simon has a very narrow band of vision. <laughs> I really like the aspect that when he is listening to music, it becomes um, the, like, both diegetic and non-diegetic sound for us to listen to. And then when he, st when he stops it, it just, like, abruptly stops. Like, it's kind of jarring in some ways. Like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of digging this song. And it just stops and he changes his music. Or uh, I like that aspect like it he really um campus really injects our point of view into simon which is what i really liked i wanted to touch on the cinematography especially the uh with your reference the uh it's clearly inspired by the french cinema i love the uh i think the opening shot is of paris but they're very selective i think no eiffel tower and throughout the whole film i think you get two slivers of the Eiffel Tower that are cut by the frame. It's a lot of, seems like it's referencing just French cinema. I know there's for sure two mirror shots and one of them so early and it feels like a 
maybe not a deconstruction, but it feels like very, not film student, but it feels very like, look, we're doing the mirror thing. Like, and then it's so quick, they reveal the mirror trick where it's like, they didn't sit on it like other films do or like sit in that space. Like Lahane has the great long shot where it's not until like, is it a mirror? Is it weird? What the hell is this room layout? And then yeah, it's mirrors. That's what you see in the end. And this one, like one in the openings in the opening scene with Simon, it's like instantaneously like here's your mirror shot. Simon walks in the frame, and then the camera moves with him to show. Oh, that guy was in a mirror. He wasn't at the end of the hallway. Or it's like it felt like referential to like okay, they're clearly acknowledging that. Especially with the, um, I really enjoyed the tracking. And the uh, slow pans. I love the slow pans in this. Especially, yeah, there's one that's just, it's like the climax of the film for me. Like the most, uh, most endearing part of the film was one slow pan towards the end. I, was, I loved it. And then, uh, did you guys empathize with Simon? Because I think I stopped two minutes in. I stopped empathizing with him completely. And that's what made that 40 minutes so hard. I wouldn't necessarily say empathize. I would say I would sympathize with him and I would feel bad for him, but I can't say that I have empathy for him. Um, I don't think the film wants you to. I'm not sure. What does everyone else I kind of did in the beginning, but once he pretty much once he meets uh, uh, Victor, Nora or Victoria, yeah. that's when I was like, all right, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no more sympathy for you, bro. <laughs> But yeah. I like the cinematography too, and like the colors. There was a lot of cool, like, like red in there. That one, I think, the first scene when him and Nora first like meet um, in the brothel. There's red, yeah, right? all red, red. That was really cool. And another thing you said with the cinematography and like the tunnel vision. I don't know if it was like this every time, but it seemed like he like in any of like the sex scenes, he would like. He said, like, "Can you just stand here? Can I just look at you?" And it's like, that's the tunnel vision. And I'm pretty sure every, like the framing, the girl's head was always cut off. And it was just like her torso, her body. Yeah. So it's like, that's his tunnel vision. It's just like, he just cares about mm-hmm. her body and nothing else. So. I think it was meant to be an emphasis yeah. on the, for that character, the abdomen area, which I don't know if it's spoilers yet, but. Oh yeah. I think anytime it's doing that thing where it cuts her off from the top. Like, this part of her is centralized mm-hmm. frame. I think it was a slow pan when they're dancing. That, like, every time you see her, even the sweater she's wearing kind of adds a thing to her yeah. abdomen. It, it does that in another scene, too, when he dances with, with Victoria. Um, where he des- discusses the phone the phone bit. Because um, the film does do that. It cuts off characters' heads, and it's shot in, like, a lower center. So, like... You don't get the traditional two shot where like a person talks and then it cuts to the other person. Like I actually really enjoy like what he does with the camera, where it just moves from one area of the room to the uh, to the other part of the room. And I don't know, I just find that kind of unique in some ways. It's like we're sur- surveying them. It's like a surveillance camera where it just that's why it gives that kind of uncomfortable feeling of. Um, watching them like a voyeur and it's not satisfying <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say is, is, is it fair to say Victoria's objectified if not a single not a single scene with her where she was presented nude or anything like there's no enticing element at all I just felt completely like dread and just not feeling good I was not feeling good in any of those scenes even like the early ones where I think they first meet, I was just like, I wasn't having any of it. Mm-hmm. Like, is that still fit the qualifications of like a objectifying or? Well, I think that if it's objectifying, we're supposed to kind of feel gratified in a way, like, you know, I guess turned on, I guess if, if we're looking at it from the male gaze, I don't think that the film, I mean, the film has some elements of the male gaze, but if we're feeling uncomfortable, it definitely doesn't. I don't think it fits. But I mean, we're all guys, so I don't know if we have another 
had another viewer <laughs> watch it and they're a woman or, you know, um, I'm not sure, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a good point, though, that you bring up. I'm not entirely sure. It's almost like getting into that that primal desire, like primal urge to feel some sort of gratification. And I think that because we're on the outside looking in, we're kind of an... I'm like still trying to figure out exactly what the right words are for it because it's like we're, we're outside of the equation, but we know what the purpose of of Simon doing this is thereby we're a part of it watching it so I feel like we are like I mean like with the whole voyeuristic aspect of it I think that because we're aware of it but we're still in like we're still partaking in the act even though we're observing like we're just a passive spectator but even passivity can be deemed an action and I think that because we're aware of it, that's why there's so much dread. And there's so much, like for me, like I also didn't enjoy those scenes whatsoever. Like I felt like, oh man, just come on, don't, like don't do that. Like no. But I do applaud the movie for that too though. Because it, it, it does go there. And it, it brings up like very taboo elements that you don't really see. I mean, I, I personally haven't seen it in a lot of movies. This is probably one of the first ones of recent memory that was so unafraid of going to those depths of like the, the more shadowy side of like human desire. And I think that even those core principles that like, even though they're like covered in, in murk and like grime, they're still very human. So we can't necessarily fault someone for feeling that because those, like if if that person's human, you can be damn sure that you can feel those emotions as well. If you're put in their situation and grew up the way they did with the exact same like elements and everything, but damn, is it disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) So I think before we go into spoilers, I kind of want to discuss more of, Kind of what the plot is because Simon he's living with a family friend in Paris for like a few days and then he goes around and he tries to find like a woman I guess to date because he's still trying to get over his girlfriend um, so we kind of see him walking around Paris and just being like really lonely <laughs> it's like we get to it's like, um, it has elements of like slice of life. Like we get to watch a person be who they really are when they're by themselves. Um, so I think that's why it does feel exploitive because we get to see the, the neurotic aspects of Simon. And that's why it's so uncomfortable at times to watch. Um, we don't really get to see someone just agonizing and like, just feel sexually depraved pretty much um and i'm glad i chose this movie because this movie only made um like twenty seven thousand dollars wow um yeah and i the filmmakers put in a lot of work into um get this film made and it just took a lot of effort i watched interviews uh with campos and corbet and their producers um Josh Mond and um, yeah, they're like a film collective. Um, they're like friends with uh, uh, Josh Mond, who did I believe he did um, Marcy Martha May Marlene. So they all like help produce each other's films. They're like this film collective. They always do work together. So it's really good to see. Um, so I'm very interested in seeing more of their work. So yeah, I think. Um, we are going to dive into spoiler territory so we can talk more about just the essential sex scenes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, just more of the, the plot and just why Simon is just this very en- enigmatic figure, why he's so problematic and 
why we need to talk about it. So yeah, if you uh, got to this point of the podcast and you haven't seen the movie yet, please, um, well, I'd say if, if I'm going to review it, I'm going to give it a score. I'm going to give it a four out of five stars. I think that it's definitely a film that you should at least watch once and by yourself and probably rent. Um, but I understand if you're very sensitive to like very graphic sex scenes, just a person doing terrible things. Um, then I understand. Don't watch this movie. I don't. I don't want to make you watch something, and I don't want you to hate me for it. <laughs> if if you know if it ends up triggering you, so I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, if I had to give it a score out of five, I'd give it a three. And again, it's definitely worth. A watch. It's worth a watch for sure. It elicits strong emotions, and for that alone, it's worth a watch. And it, yeah, I think once, like, especially don't watch it after you know the spoilers, because I think that'll ruin the whole film. But the experience is definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I'll give it a three out of five, too. Um, the cinematography was great. Uh, Brady Corbet's acting was great. But yeah, it's just. If you if you want to watch a movie that you want to enjoy and feel good about, then this is not the the film to watch for you. But it is a cool character study to watch, and it's interesting. So I think it's it's worth the watch for sure. I'm gonna give it a two and a half out of five, <laughs> <laughs> and two and a half isn't bad. That's like a, that's like a solid movie to me. Um, I think that it was very ambitious in what it was doing, especially with like DP work, editing, sound design. I think that where it faltered though is that it, the story just felt a little bit self-indulgent at times to me. Like it felt like it was kind of <laughs> like it was stooping to some depths where it was, it was almost kind of glorifying it in a way, in Simon's perspective at least. And, like, as it got towards the, the last, I want to say, probably the last third of the movie, it felt like it kind of spiraled out of control for me, which, I mean, seems it seems like it would be obvious for, like, this, I mean, just because of the way the story was going, but a lot of the plot points to me seemed very strange, and maybe it was because of Simon's actions, and because Simon is a very strange and enigmatic character and but yeah for me i i didn't have a good feeling watching this movie um not faulting the movie for for the way it went but i don't want to watch this movie again <laughs> but at the same time i'm very glad i did watch it because it adds on to the spectrum of movies and just even outside of movies, like with books, with uh, stories, any any sort of thing you do in life, I think it's important to engage with all... I mean, you shouldn't have a filter on what it is that you watch versus don't watch um, because all it does is provide added perspective. And for that reason alone, I'm, I'm giving it a two and a half because it definitely broadened my perspective on, on movies and stories. And I really love the DIY approach to it as well. Like, it seemed very indie to me, and that all the people working on it were really trying to go for something. And especially even with the concept of, um, you know, the how information is processed from the outside world in, I think that that alone is worth checking out. So I think that if you're into genre movies, as well as um, kind of underground, like, cult classic movies, and definitely character studies, I think that you should definitely watch this movie. But if you're very sensitive to graphic material as well as um, some of the more darker sides to the human condition, I would definitely not recommend it. Um, but I mean, I think the I think that alone shows how divisive this movie can be, which I enjoy a lot. I'm, which is why I'm looking forward to this discussion. Yes. All right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, now we're gonna dive into spoilers. So yes, again, um, you can also you can rent this movie on YouTube. You can find it on streaming. Um, yeah, so let's get right into it. 
happens all the time. Present company accepted. Present company except the worst. It happens every night. sociopath the whole time he was clearly insane he's clearly a horrible person and uh that's what it's that's why i referenced earlier it felt like the filmmakers withholding that information for us although you can kind of see it in hindsight especially with his calls to his parents or his mom but again i think again back to like that 40 50 minute mark where you start seeing him becoming more manipulative and all that it's like okay now all his dumb mistakes earlier were actually calculated moves. Because uh, I was sitting there watching the first part. It's like, no one's this stupid, right? How's this guy this stupid? He's supposed to be researching neuroscience, but he's this stupid? Like, oh, yeah, just yeah, like uh, run the credit card at the brothel. Just stuff like that. And just, just like his gross, like, uh, I think... It's him in the Louvre, and he's looking at the great paintings, I think, and it's doing the commentary on the Mona Lisa always has crowds, and then it shows the, the Manet, not Manet, that's Manet, Manet, Manet painting, I think it's his interpretation of, uh, oh shit, the ancient Greek one where the lady's naked, the Venus. Yeah, I think it's his interpretation, the artist's interpretation of it. And it was contentious for the time as well, I believe. But I think the purposeful, the purpose framing of him in that painting, and then it cuts to him like almost cruising for girls, essentially in Paris, was just okay. I lost all sympathy with this guy. I don't care about his girlfriend. I don't care that he's from New York. I don't care about anything. I hate this guy, and then he just proceeds for 40 minutes to just do dumb shit over and over, and I'm sitting there just steaming. I'm like, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just, yeah, I covered my face, put my hands on my face a lot as I was watching, like, I can't take this. I can't stand this. But then the stuff gets revealed more, and then you empathize more for the female characters in the story, okay, how we're, we start to see what Simon is, how is this going to affect them? How are they going to get out of it? And I think, what's the character's name with the M? The other girl? Marianne. Marianne? Marianne, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a tracking shot when she's returned to the story in the second half when you know what he is. And she's out of focus, but I remember just feeling dread recognizing her curly hair like near the bikes or something. I just yeah. 
like a wave of dread hit me like oh shit and then he stops and i was like okay this is where we're going <laughs> so yeah i wondered like i think you gotta like there's no dissent for me it's just purely like it was like our as an audience ascent to seeing the truth where he's just a piece of shit the whole time and we take the journey of the film instead of him that was like my big takeaway from the film looking back at it yeah, I like that build-up to him meeting up with Marianne again because when we first meet her, they do that tracking shot from behind and then um, Simon is talking to her and her friend um, Sophie and they're just having that discussion. Um, he's just asking them where they were going and he's just trying to strike up a conversation and then he gets kind of gets into that little argument with that, um, I, I believe it's a Cambodian man who... Um, tries to pick a fight with him and Simon is just very pathetic at this point like this is where you feel sorry for him and and, and uh, before you know anything about Simon he's just like just um he, yeah he's like doing nothing wrong you know at first like he just doesn't understand he doesn't know how to speak French that well and just his the language barrier in this film I think they did a great job of um exploring that how Simon just hears what he wants to hear and sees what he wants to see and at times like just he just doesn't understand certain um parts of that um i guess over that side like he just doesn't understand certain parts of french just like how when he talks to victoria and she tells him about her miscarriage and how she was in an abusive relationship and then she asks him if he understood and he said yeah you had a son <laughs> that was just really heartbreaking it's just like really tough to like listen to her story and just for him to quantify it to just that sentence and it's just like dang uh, and then everything that happens after that where he's just trying to tell her hey we should exploit these men and let's blackmail them and then it turns out like he's just using her for her money and to stay with her um just his just lying to her about how his parents are like not together and how he's not close to them even though he's constantly calling his mother for help it's just uh it's just simon just gaslighting all these people in his life and just trying to make himself out to be like this victim when he's the one who is the perpetrator just trying to hurt everyone um that was just very maddening to watch like yeah, it's very, um, yeah, just frustrating in that aspect um, to see this man just take advantage of these people. Um, he's like the dirty American tourist, pretty much, just coming in from another country and just exploiting other people. Um, yeah. My favorite scene is when he's talking to Marianne at, like, brunch or whatever the next morning after they like have sex and she just catches him in like three different lies <laughs> he's like wait she's like wait i thought you're staying at your cousin's house he's like well i was or whatever and then she's like wait i thought your parents were divorced and then he's like well i was talking about my stepdad i was just like fuck yeah fuck yeah marianne like <laughs> call him out on his bullshit yeah yeah and she's being very sarcastic with him saying like oh i had i had fun having coffee with you and he's like what what are you saying? She's like, I'm, I'm just, it's just a joke. And he just doesn't understand her. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, yeah, yeah, that part was really great. Like, seeing him being deconstructed at that mm -hmm. point. Um, it really does lend to her, like, her condition being symbolic of what she's doing at that moment. Like, you know, she's, like, analyzing his situation. Um, like, what he's doing and... It's just pretty obvious that he's very off with all the constant phone calls and him calling, um, harassing Renee, who um, they exploited. He blackmails. Uh, yeah, earlier in the film to get money off of. Um, From Nora? Yeah, yeah. Just for I mean, he says he's doing it for her, but I don't know if he really is. Yeah. He's like, this is for your son. You're doing this for your son. But then, like... <laughs> We see him hurting her. It's just terrible. Like 
how we how we can have a scene where he's talking to her about what she should do with her situation and how she tells him, you know, I, I don't do this out of like necessity. I do this because I enjoy it. Even though she understands that like sometimes her customers are rough with her, she likes what she does so that we can't really objectify her in some regards because she kind of has her own agency and her own control of the situation. And it's kind of similar to Marianne where when he's, but right before he has sex with her, he is like um, gazing at her and she tells him how uncomfortable she feels. So in that regard, she doesn't like to be objectified the way that Victoria likes to be appeased um, and sexually gratified as well. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that those aspects of the film. I think you're. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, no, go for it. Go for it. I was gonna say, uh, I agree with you though, Pat. That like he was just so stupid, like to where I don't even. Like, did we ever even get proof that he, like, was published and studied neuroscience? Was that, like, proved? Some, like, I feel like he was even lying about all that. Like, Yeah, especially since the end, right? When he's trying to leave and he's asked what he did or what he studied and he said French literature. Yeah. <laughs> he was just lying his way through the whole film. I mean, that looks like a cover. I, I, I don't know. There's, there's, like, a strong classism aspect for me for the film. Where it's again, I'm supposed to feel sorry for this guy on this trip to Paris from New York. Yeah. College graduate, all this other stuff is like, no, Victoria is a lot more. I empathize with her more. Even Marianne? <laughs> yeah. She's just, yeah, just a Parisian studying French literature. It's okay, she seems like a good person. They, have, they both compared to him, seem like saintly figures. And just the way he tries to blackmail the first guy who ends up, like, beating the shit out of Nora, he just, like, <laughs> he's, like, nervous or, like, I don't know. It's just, like, he didn't plan it out at all. He's, yeah, like, no street smart. He's, like, I have this picture or whatever. And the dude's, like, I'm a fucking cop or whatever, just, like, fucking with it. Because I think the, the guy was, like, like, not a gangster, but he was, like, probably, you know. Some type of guy like that. And he was, like, I'm a cop. And then he comes back and he screws over himself and Nora, he gets Nora beaten super bad and just like, this guy doesn't think anything through. Yeah, it's like, yeah, they know where Nora works. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They know it's her exploiting them. He, uh, the guy he's trying to first blackmail even does the call out thing of like, go ahead and show me what you're going to show me. As like, I'm either going to destroy it here or I'm going to go to her employer, find out where she at, she's at, and then take care of it then. He's very, yeah, it's like a complete inverse of street smart levels. Mm -hmm. Where he thinks he's going to be invincible and all that. Mm -hmm. And the other guy just calls every bluff. Because he knows how it's supposed to be done. But even that, he, Simon gets away by putting on the armor of just patheticness. And he wiggles out of every situation. <laughs> even when Nora's viciously beaten by that same guy later in the film, he walks in... And uh, the guy just puts his hands on his head and it's like, you made me do this. And Simon's like in full cowering mode, shaking. And the guy just leaves. He doesn't beat on Simon at all. And then the camera finally cuts to show like, yeah, Nora's been on the ground the whole time. Like reaching out because she can't see because her eyes are so wounded. And it's just like, it's really infuriating. But it, the film succeeds immensely in that where it's like, oh, God, I just want him to get beat up by one of these people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fact that we don't get to see that, yeah, I think that is very frustrating because we're very used to watching films that kind of give you that pleasure uh, of seeing that bad guy get his comeuppance and we don't really get to see that really. And I like I like it demystifies Paris. It, it, it doesn't... Mm -hmm. It doesn't aggrandize it. It doesn't romanticize it. Yeah, it cuts the Eiffel Tower in half. People randomly like try to start a fight with them in public. Dudes yeah. are grabbing them by the arm, like, come to this brothel, come to this brothel. We get to see Renee's perspective, which I thought was really endearing. Like, it's just a great tracking shot of Renee, a client of Victoria's. And he's just talking about the psychological aspect of being in a city where there are brothels. He's recounting the story of like some beautiful brothel worker when he was a young kid walking to school or something and like one of them's calling him over 
and he was like so stricken by her and all that stuff. Where he's also enticed, but then he reveals like what you want to do with an eight-year-old and all that other stuff. It's just it's like a seems like a damning or mm -hmm. taking a shot at the Parisian style or the Parisian how things are out there, as well as American exceptionalism with Simon just being a horrible person. Yeah. The whole film and just exploiting the foreign people. Yeah. <laughs> I think I lost all sort of sympathy for Simon when, um, it was like even, like, I, I felt it coming on even the moment where, um, there's like the scene where he's inside of his, uh, the, his family's friend's house. I forget his name. Carlo. Oh, Carlo. And he's like on the laptop, like, and he's like, I forget, like, if he's on like a chat, like a webcam thing with like a woman and like, he's just like walking around this guy's place just with a t-shirt on, no fucking pants or anything and just masturbating just wherever he wants to mm -hmm. in this person's home. And I'm like, what kind of depraved maniac is this? <laughs> and then like, I started losing, I'm like, okay, well maybe he's just pathetic. Which obviously was the case, um, but, and I remember, like, even seeing, like, that, where he first meets Marianne and her friend, and, like, oh, okay, he's just trying to, like, maybe he's just really nervous or something like that, and he's just eager for, like, connection, and, and then, as was mentioned earlier, when he bumps into that guy, and then the guy just purposely, like, wants to beat the shit out of Simon, and Simon's just, like, freaking out. Like, I'm just, like, internally cringing so much inside, where it's like, dude, just... <laughs> just, like, go of the hand and say, okay, see you, guy, I'm I'm leaving the situation. Yeah, just, like, later, just, like... But, you know, he holds his hand, and he keeps looking to the girls sideways, and they they step in and help him, and... Yeah, like, he, he's, he can't even take care of himself. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you live in New York, like, you should be used to this kind of stuff. Um, but even then, like, uh, where he first meets Victoria and stuff, and, uh, he ends up having a connection with her, I found that to be, like, somewhat sweet, but even then, like, it seemed like he was very, he was trying to, like, pry something out of her, what he couldn't, like, come up with inside of himself, and then, like, where he... This is where I lost it all for him. When he purposely, like, <laughs> goes to find a group of people to beat and mug him the day that he's supposed to leave Paris and, like, go somewhere else, like, <laughs> that's when I lost it. I was like, this guy's a piece of shit. Like, he's purposely, like... That's, like, another part of the, like, filmmaker withholding information. Like, I don't think they... I think maybe they pushed him on the ground and made, or maybe hit him once good, because mm -hmm. they didn't steal from him. Because it's revealed he just stored his stuff at the place. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember the other way. He's like, "Oh, I got robbed and all that." Like, sure, he has mm -hmm. the he preemptively does the damaged hand on the wall of the train station. Mm -hmm. And that was another part of the film where I was thinking, like, did they max out his credit card because he's stupid and he gave a brothel his credit card <laughs> and he can't travel now? So I thought he was frustrated with that. Like, no, I, it's revealed later in the film that he was just laying down the groundwork to manipulate Victoria. That's true. Like, he was using Carlo's home as, like, a base of operations almost. Because I remember, like, even early on in the film, Carlo asks him, like, hey, how long do you plan on staying here? He's like, I'm going to be gone for, like, a few weeks. Like, you could stay as long as you want. He's like, oh, no, I'm just going to be here a few days, then I'm leaving. So even then, he was, like, lying to Carlo about it. And it's like, you were just burning bridge after bridge after bridge. And, oh, God, that's even more disgusting now that I think about it. Because, he's, no, you're such totally a, right. He's such a worm. He's not burning the bridges. That's the crazy part. Yeah. Like, Carlo probably just feels bad for him. Like, oh, he got burned by some girl in Sweden. This mm -hmm. poor guy. Sure, it's my birthday, but you can come in here and use my shower and change your clothes. Oh, and all that. He, he looks so, like, disheveled, too, and just so wormy when he does come back to Carlo's place at the end. Like, he's just a shell of a of a being. And then here's Carlo just trying to celebrate his birthday with his friends, and they're like, who the hell is that guy? Like, you let this person inside your house? Like, like it, it just looks so bad. And it's almost like, um, 
like Simon was like using this as like to live out some sort of fantasy to like completely like leave his own world behind because there's that one email that he gets with his uh, ex where she's like, yeah, I care about you, but sometimes like you just freak me that you just, you just freak me out. Like I, I, don't, I can't be around you. And then like Simon, like you could just see him like internalizing it all. And then like, what does he do? He like bumps it up a notch. Like there's the, the one scene where they're all dancing and is it with, I can't remember if it's with Victoria or not, or with Marianne. I think it's with uh, Marianne. Oh yeah. Where, um, mm-hmm. He's at the club. Because he calls yeah. Nora and he's like, he says he lies and he says he's doing something else when he's, he, I forget what he said, he's like getting money or like groceries or something, I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I'm getting you some stuff or something like that. Yeah. Like he's like purposely like playing it all out up to Victoria, even though she's like providing him with like all of, like, <laughs> everything. She yeah. buys him a new shirt. Yeah, she and she's like so nice and sweet to him, like. Even after he gets mugged, um, and he, like, goes to the brothel and stuff, and Victoria's like, what are you doing? Like, I'm at work. Like, you're going to get me fired because, like, you can't be doing this. Like, he just does not care. He wants what he wants, and he's going to get it, regardless of, like, how low he has to stoop in order to get it. And And he's like, oh, yeah, can you pick up my tab, too, while you're at it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... Hey, Victoria, I know you were assaulted a couple days ago and your eyes are still closed, but uh, give me mo- give me some money and I'll buy you some nice. He does, yeah. that, he does that to Marianne, too. Yeah, he yeah. totally does. <laughs> I'm so glad that Marianne was able to see through it all, though. Like, even that moment where... Um, I, wait, is it after he beats Victoria himself that he goes back to Marianne? Yeah. Yes. And he's like, oh, I need a, I need a place to stay. <laughs> and then she said, uh, no. <laughs> that was the climax of the film for me. That slow pan to the friend. Oh, just a peeled orange on the table, just sitting there, like, just sitting back, eating her fruit. <laughs> oh, yeah, and there was, like, spilled wine, wasn't there? I believe there was, like, spilled wine for some reason. And he's uh-huh. like, I'm sorry, I came and interrupted. Oh yeah. yeah. It was like a big flex for her. I love that the friend was there. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, you're not you're not getting into this place. She's like sitting there fully aware, like all oh, the scumbags back. Okay. He's so, like, I just need a couple days to stay, just a couple days. And she's like, No, I'm sorry. And then like, dude, just you, the, the pause. Yeah. Just the length of the pause without them even cutting. Mm-hmm. And then like he's like when he was rem- when he's like, Oh yeah, I guess I, I guess I have to leave now. Like, he, just, he keeps sitting there. Yeah. Like a fucking, like, you loser. You feel bad for me. Yeah, he's like, please change your mind. And they're like, all right, uh, bye. Yeah. Said, <laughs> like, now I got my oranges. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're interrupting my orange time, all right? Get out of here. I love that. That was the climax for the film for me. Do, so, do you guys think that he ends up getting away with it? Because there's that moment where, um, at the end, Victoria wakes up. Like, do you think that, like, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I thought that was, like, a big red herring. Because I think in the background, like, the armed guards, he's already, when he's walking in the airport, he looks over his shoulder. And they're out of focus, but they're behind him. And then I was, yeah, I was debating, like, how could he get away with it? Because uh, I think until that point, you assume he killed Nora? Nora? Victoria? Mm-hmm. You assume he's killed her, and then the fox pennant is left behind. And then uh, I just think the final thing of her waking up shows she wasn't dead, so the police probably weren't involved fully. And it's not like it's one of those things where like there's no justice for people like Victoria. Like, what is she gonna do? Right. Go to the police and say, yeah, this American who uh, seduced me or manipulated me that I met at a brothel uh, beat me before he left. And that's like the big. Yeah, I think there's like a build up when his passport's being reviewed because he stayed so long, like th- over three months, I believe. Yeah, way past his visa. Mm-hmm. Yes. But he, again, back to like the American excep- exceptionalism angle, I think of it, I see in it. In other words, oh, your passport's overdue, whatever. Okay. <laughs> you can still go ahead and hop on the plane. You're still good. Yeah, I think he totally got away with it. Mm-hmm. Also, another, like, 
maybe the other most satisfying scene for me is when he calls his mom. I think it's after he beats Nora, and he's just like got s- no. sobbing, just like losing it. I'm like calling for his mom. Yeah, that one hurt. That one hurt to watch again. It's like just so pathetic. Yeah, it's like, you little yeah. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Victoria to wail on him. I wanted someone like. His whimpering was by far the most infuriating thing to me. Like, yeah. whether it was, like, during, like, while he was, like, like masturbating or, like, having sex with someone or calling his mom. Or getting a he's, finger up the butt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I totally just... forgot about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thumb, I guess thumb is not a finger. <laughs> I just hated his whimpering. It was just, like... Dude, this is this is him at his core. He's just a profound whimperer. Like <laughs> that was the worst he got in. I was like, I took that as like Victoria like doing a bit of like look, quit trying to force yourself on me. This is what it feels like, and she's like pushing him against the wall. Mm-hmm. But then he just spins into like I'm gonna make her think I love it, and then we'll have sex, and it's just Ugh. oh god, this. <laughs> I felt so dirty watching this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need to take a shower. <laughs> but I love talking about it, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> strong. Yeah, it elicited strong emotions, for sure. Yeah. I think... I think... When we first started watching this movie, like, in the very beginning, we do see the the negative signs of Simon... When he is writing that email to his ex. Yeah, he's lying. To Michelle. And as he was writing it, you hear him say to himself, like, cunt. It's just like, the fuck? Why would you say that? You're <laughs> such an asshole. But, I mean, like, but then again, we don't have any more context other than that. But you you do, like, I thought to myself, okay, he just got out of a breakup, you know? Like, it must be really terrible for him. But, like, and then we realize he is, he is a cunt himself. <laughs> he's just a, such an asshole. Like, and then... Yeah, and then when we, um, Kevin, you brought up when she sent back that email saying how she was afraid of him, and she's also even mentioning how near the end of their relationship, she doesn't even know who he was. Like, she felt like he was a different person. And I think that is um, parallel to a situation where, like, the women probably were led to believe one thing about him, but then they totally see a different person in the end. I think that's such a, a scary feeling, you know? Um, especially in general, in dating circles, or just meeting anyone, like, how can you know this person is truly genuine? Um, because he is revealing certain emotions and feelings in which you think is genuine. Like, he is laying it out there, and you think, oh, yeah, I mean, he's very pathetic, and that's, I'm sure that's what they think of him, but they're like, he is being vulnerable, so maybe he's telling the truth. But he's using that to manipulate them, so that's kind of crazy, I think, to me. Um, yeah, I think that's totally crazy. Um, he's just a very maddening character. I think he's one of the most maddening and most frustrating characters I've ever seen like on screen. And he doesn't even get his comeuppance. Um, I guess as for the ending, but then he gets caught. Um, I don't know. The, the, the film doesn't seem too hopeful, but that ending was really hard-hitting for me. I, I was glad that Nora or Victoria, she woke up. I'm just hoping, like, I mean, they have his credit card information and whatnot, so part of me thinks that they could investigate into him, but like what you said, Tyler, like, he probably doesn't get caught because, I don't know, he doesn't he doesn't get to... I guess um, he just doesn't receive any of the negative consequences in the film. He gets mm-hmm. to have it his way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do we have any um, closing thoughts before we end this episode? <sighs> I'd just like to say I'm glad you guys all watched this. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that it isn't as uh, well received. Uh, I, I had a feeling that it was going to be very polarizing. Um, and I think that really opened up some for some pretty good discussion. Um, and there are some really beautifully shot scenes. And um, yeah, can't wait to show more of that. Um, 
So yeah, that, that should be the end of our episode. Um, we also have an Instagram up. So if you're listening to this podcast and you got this far, uh, and definitely in the uh, description, we should probably put that in the description too, right? Uh, yeah. So we have an Instagram, um, Lay Film Podcast. Definitely check that out. You can also follow us on there. We have all of our Instagrams um, tagged in the bio. So yeah, um, that does it for our episode of Simon Killer. Um, definitely something... Uh, I felt like should be discussed. Um, Yeah, so thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram. Um, Follow us on Spotify and on iTunes. Subscribe and definitely rate and review our podcast. And uh, see you next time. This is Richard. Later.